we are in the middle of this word torrent and we are expectant and we are leaning into the voice of God. Like we sang today, the voice of many waters and God is always speaking. And I think sometimes we naively come like, God, speak to me. And sometimes I just wonder if God's not like, I'm always speaking. Just tune your ear to what I'm saying. And so if you've missed this series, if you haven't been here, I encourage you to jump in through the app or through YouTube. Check out what Elijah's been talking about. He preached a fire message last week talking all about stepping out on the water. And we've been talking about the voices of God, the voice that calls us to tune our ears like the pay attention parent voice, and then the voice that's telling us where to go and what to do. And I'm excited today. I've titled my message, What Got You Here Won't Take You There. What got you here won't take you there. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to do it. Paper never forgets. So always write everything down. Um, But we are ending a 21-day fast. Anyone else do that fast with us? Anyone else so excited? I did the Daniel's fast, and I am so happy to eat meat today. (laughs) We had um, team time, and if you're not on the team, I encourage you jump in. We have Belong, which happens Sundays after church, right in the multipurpose room. And you can learn more about the vision of the church and get involved and serve on one of the teams. But we have team time on Sunday morning. And today we were breaking our fast and I was so excited. I was like French toast, maple sausage, eggs. I'm like, we did it. And God spoke. And if you did that fast, I pray that you came out of it with so much revelation, so much clarity. And I also want to encourage us as a church, the fast is not something that has to stay at the first 21 days of the year, okay? And we have always done this in our family. When Elijah and I have a big decision to make, we'll fast and we'll fast with our kids. They don't do food fast. Although Anne did do chocolate this time, which was very hard for her. She was like, so, and I was like, Anne, I'm so proud of you. That's what she chose to give up. Zion gave up a little bit of his games, one of his games that he likes. And so I encourage you though, let that be a normal practice. A fast is simply removing something to fill our hearts and our minds and like our attention on God. And so allow that to become something that's your normal this year in 2024. But we're going to talk about what got you here won't take you there because your faith can become your comfort in the blink of an eye. Anyone ever felt this? Like what you had faith in, maybe it's something that you just started doing and you're like, oh my word, I'm so nervous. I'm going to do this. I'm going to step out and you do it. And then all of a sudden it like becomes comfortable and you can just keep doing it and just keep doing it. And then it's the next step of faith that it becomes a little uncomfortable. And then you do it again and you do it again. And I want to share with us about Moses and Joshua. If you know me, you know, Moses is hands down my favorite biblical character. I could just, I could probably preach like five years on Moses and every just incredible story of Moses. And then we find Joshua and Joshua steps in when Moses can't lead the Israelites into the promised land. And Joshua takes them across the Jordan River, leads them through Jericho, settles the land. I mean, like this is an incredible passing of leadership. This is an incredible opportunity that God shows up. 
But I want to show you, and if you can see up here, we have two boards. And I, I picture it like this, and I want to share with you where we're going. Because I have a few different lengths of wood. I'm going to leave them down so I don't get splinters. <laughs> that would be my luck. But I'm going to start with a smaller board. And this is what happens. We step in, and the faith we have here can get us from point A to point B. And we're like, yes, I had that faith and I saw God do it and I saw him move. And then we keep walking down the journey of life and we go and we go and we go and we go. And then all of a sudden we get somewhere where what got us there won't get us here. And so then it calls for something new. And then we find ourselves here and then we go and we go and we keep coming down. And then all of a sudden we get far enough to where that won't stretch. And so it takes something else. It takes something new. And this is the mental picture that I get when I read the story of Moses. And I want to set the context for you. If you want to go in your Bible app or um, if you have a paper Bible, I love paper Bibles. I like to write in them. They're also the only thing that AI can't rewrite right now. So highly recommend a paper Bible. But I want to set some context for you, okay? Because we're going to read in Exodus 17 and in Numbers 20, okay? Exodus 17, Numbers 20. But where we find ourselves, where we pick up this story, is we pick up this story with Moses. Now, Moses has been raised by an Egyptian, but he is an Israelite. And then he leads God's people, the nation of Israel, out of Egypt. And so God speaks to him and he goes to Pharaoh with the 10 plagues. And he's like, listen, God said, if you don't let his people go, this is going to happen. Pharaoh's like, yeah, whatever. And then it happens like 10 times. I'm like, yo, it's going to happen like Pharaoh. So then finally Moses leads the Israelites out. He takes his staff. Very fascinating as I was reading all through Exodus and Numbers to get context because he takes his staff and God actually leads them up. And many of you, if you've grown up in church, have heard the story where he goes up to the Red Sea and God tells him to lift his staff and the Red Sea parts. And the Israelites walk across it. And then the Egyptian army, because Pharaoh realizes like, oh crap, I just let everyone go. Who's going to work the fields? Who's going to do all the work that we don't want to do? So he takes off after him. So then the Red Sea slams down, okay? So Moses has just taken his staff and let the people go. And then they all go out. And then he's leading them through the wilderness. And we find time and time again, the Israelites complaining, okay? And they're like showing up and they're like, oh, Moses, you brought us out here with no food to eat. Why didn't you just leave us there? You brought us here to die. And Moses is like, all right, God can you give some food? And then God's like, okay, here's manna shows up. And then we find them and they go to this one rock and they're like, Moses, you brought us here to die. I mean, this is like, have you noticed the Israelites? If you read, it is wild. Exodus and Numbers, all the Israelites do is complain and they always think they're dying. They're like, you brought me here to die. I have no water. And so finally God's like, listen, Moses, take a branch throw it in the water that's bitter that they can't drink, and then they drink it. And then they walk and 
you know a little bit about the story, the Israelites are wandering 40 years, a journey that through the map should have taken 11 days from Egypt to the promised land, but they're wandering for 40 years because of their disobedience, because of their lack of faith, and they're just wandering. And so then we pick up this story again in Exodus 17, and you guessed it, the Israelites are still wandering. It's so exciting. And so we find Exodus 17, start with me in verse one. It says, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you want to put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb, strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? So we find ourselves at this place where Moses yet again needs God to show up and perform a miracle. And he's like got this whole nation of Israel. And Elijah and I were talking about this. Sometimes we neglect to look at history and what was happening, but the nation of Israel was 600,000 men. And then you have women and children. Like this is not 10 people quarreling, questioning Moses. This is upwards of a million people being like, Moses, did you bring us here to die? And they've seen God show up time and time and time again. And so Moses shows up at this rock. They've already seen the water be turned from bitter to regular water that they can drink. Now they're here. They're like, oh, we're thirsty again. We must be dying. And God shows up and is like, listen, take your staff, strike the rock and water will flow through it. Now, Miracle in and of itself, because I've never struck a rock and had water come from it. And so this is wildly incredible. But then if you'll flip with me to Numbers 20, I'm going to bring you a little bit further into it. Numbers 20 verse 1, we have the very same scenario, water from the rock. And it says in verse one, in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into the wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out from the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So then 
Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he was proved holy among them. I think this is very fascinating because I have always grown up in church. My dad was a pastor all my life. And so I always heard the story of when Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And I always was like, yeah, I mean, that's awkward to speak to a rock, let alone to strike it. I don't know. Maybe he hit his wits end. Who knows what happened? And I always heard that. But as I began to study and God's been working with me on this in this fast is the concept of misplaced faith, the concept of slightly following instructions, but not fully the concept of what we did in the past won't work with what we're doing now. I want to challenge you with this because I think it's something that we can all relate to. Maybe it's a relationship, right? And you get married or you're dating or something. And what you had done in the past, in the beginning of your relationship, no longer works because you have to step into a new level of your relationship. Maybe it's something in your company, in your leadership where what you did, you tried this and God told you to do it. And then you step into a new place and then there's another scenario and you hear a voice telling you to do something different. But how many of us find ourselves wanting to do what worked previously, not doing what the faith and the word of God has told us to do now? Because what's wild to me is striking the rock wasn't bad. That's what God had told him to do last time, but not this time. And what we see is Moses put his faith in his staff. I mean, can you imagine like this staff has been with him through everything, you guys. Like when he met God at the burning bush, he had a staff. When he did the 10 plagues in Egypt, he had a staff. When he walked up to the Red Sea, he had his staff. When he struck the rock, he had his staff. And now yet again, he has his staff in the midst of God telling him to do a miracle. However, God says, take your staff with you and speak to the rock. You don't need your staff. You can take that with you, but don't use your staff. Speak to the rock. As I began to study this, it's very easy, I think, for us to judge isn't it? Like you could look at Moses in this Bible story when you read it and you're like, Moses, that was so ignorant. I mean, you have seen God show up time and time and time again, food, water, deliverance, provision, name it all. Moses had seen it. And then he finds himself in this place where he doesn't have faith in the voice of God. And when God tells him, speak to the rock. He's like, mm, this worked last time. Maybe I'll try this one. And it's so easy for us to judge. And it's so easy for us to look at a highlight reel of Moses's life, or maybe a highlight reel of someone else's life 
that we say, if only I had a faith like that, a marriage like that, a company like that, a family like that, then I wouldn't deal with this misplaced faith. I want to take a minute before we go any further, and I want to show you this video from our family trip a couple years ago. We went out to the Pacific Northwest, and we, Elijah's family, was getting married in Idaho, and I went to school in Seattle. So we spent like a few weeks, and we just went around all of the national parks and hiked all over the place. And I want to show you this little video really quickly from when we hiked at Mount Rainier, if you can. Snow! Snow! There's no way it's snow. Okay, we are two miles into the hike. How do you guys feel? So good. So good. This little girl right here made it to the top. How do you feel? Good. Did you feel tired? <laughs> well, they feed the chipmunks. Did it bite you? Did it get you? Bite the stuff. The stuff? Yeah. What'd you give them? The stuff. <laughs> she is. We went on this hike and I show you this because it was a very funny moment. I, um, so I can't read hike, um, distances. I didn't know that. So it said it was a 5.6 mile hike. So I was like, Oh, that's great. But that was only one way. So it was like an 11 mile hike. And I had, we have this rule in our family, whatever you bring, you have to carry. So the kids, whatever you pack, you're going to carry it. Don't complain. Like take less if you don't want to carry it. Cause we're not carrying your bags. This is just probably how I was raised. So I'm like, we're going with it. And so we start up this hike, which you see, remember, and we're like going up and we're going and we're going through the sun. And then we go through the pasture with the snow and we go around this iceberg lake. And then we get to where you saw the the mountain of rocks that were so unsteady and it's a pretty narrow path and here we are with our kids they were like seven to nine at the time and they're carrying their bags and we get going up there and Zion's following Leticia she's a bit more of a daredevil and so he hangs with her so he's hustling up the hill with Leticia and Anae's going up and I show that because this is our highlight reel, but what had happened on the hike was Ane had sat down and she had been like, I can't do it. And we're like, Ane, you got it. You can do it. Now, mind you, it's 5.6 miles up. So like, we're probably like, what, four and a half, five miles in. Like we, you can see that Mount Fremont lookout. And she's like, I can't go any further. And she's bawling and she's sitting on the side of the mountain. And I am not the most compassionate in those kinds of situations. I try to be, but I just grew up with parents that are like, 
get yourself together. Let's go. And so I'm like, come on, you can do this. Let's go. And so we're sitting there and Elijah's like, on nay, he sits down next to her and he's like, level setting. He's like, on nay, if you don't want to go, I will walk back down with you. We don't have to go. We do not have to finish this. You've done so good. You have made it five miles. We've climbed an elevation of 1300 feet. I mean, it was a pretty, pretty steep hill. And she's like sitting there and she's deciding, she goes, but if I don't do it, I won't see the top. And we're like, that's correct. You won't if you don't go up. And she goes, I think I want to go. And Elijah's sitting there and he's like, all right, Ash, you go in front of her. Anne, stay towards the inside. It was a pretty narrow um, hike. And she, he said, Anne, stay to the inside near the mountain. And he said, I'll lead you. I'll tell you, step here, go there. She's like, okay. And so we're going and she's like, am I still doing good? You know, every step, was that right? Was that, we're like, yes, Anne, keep stepping, keep going. And Elijah's trying to tell her. And it brought me back to this story of Moses, of hearing God's voice. Because here we found ourselves as a family in a precarious moment on the side of a mountain, all these other hikers running up and down there like, legit hikers. We just happenstanced because it said it was the most beautiful hike. So I'm like, let's try it. And so we just happenstanced here. But I think that that moment that Moses had at the rock, that moment that Oné had on that mountain is where a lot of us find ourselves. And we've like seen God show up. Oné had always followed Elijah's voice. We had hiked so much up until then. We had done North Cascades. We had done little hikes around Seattle, stuff around here in the Poconos in Virginia. And so we had gone through and we hit this moment where Oné had the decision, do I keep going? Do I follow or do I not? And that's the moment that we find right here with Moses is we find him in this moment of misplaced faith. What got him here won't get you there. And I want to talk to us today about three things that I believe we can do to prepare for that moment in our lives. Because some of you are sitting here and probably like, yeah, I felt that. I've been there before. I've had to take a step of faith. I've had something happen. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a step of faith in your business. Maybe it's something in a relationship or a marriage where you feel like I've hit that rock moment. And I want to talk to us about what we do to prepare for those moments. I believe number one is we have to deal with our personal sin. And I want to preface this is a message that's going to be a lot of thought-provoking self-reflecting, okay? So journal it down, process it on a Monday. But I want to ask, what personal sin do you and I need to deal with before we get into this moment? Because what's fascinating to me is if you look through Moses's life, he's an incredible man of God. And that's the beauty of God is he uses every person in our human faults and all of our things he uses us. But we find Moses go way back to when he was in Egypt. And Moses was an Israelite child. And at the time, Pharaoh had called for all the children to and under to be killed because he was like, ah, there's going to be more Israelites than us pretty soon. And so we call for that. So his mother put Moses in a basket put the basket in. His sister goes down. Moses is an Israelite, but is raised by an Egyptian in the palace. And then he finds himself out here watching an Egyptian mistreat an Israelite. 
And the Bible says that Moses was so infuriated with her age that he goes over and he kills the Egyptian who's mistreating one of his people. And then he hides the body in the sand like, I don't know, no one's going to find out. And then he goes and talks to some other people in the Israelites in the nation. And they say, well, who are you to talk to us? We already saw what you do. We know what you did. And we see this throughout Moses's life. And we see in this moment in Numbers, where Moses, he calls to the people and he says, uh, let's see, listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock? And I just, as I began to read this, God began to challenge me, Ashley, what are the little things that you have to take care of that will be misplaced and mismanaged in a moment of challenge? I don't know what that looks like. For Moses, it was the anger that came up in this moment and he's like, you rebels. And it caused the faith to be misplaced. Do you notice his words that time were not, does God have to bring water from the rock? It was, do we have to bring water from this rock? And I guess I can't know this. I have like a book of questions for when I get to heaven, but I always wonder if Moses was sitting there like, why do I have to bring water from this rock? And he gets his staff and he's like, I knew this worked last time. So I'll try it again. I'll give it another go. And I want to ask us this morning, what is the thing or things in your life that you have to process through when you get to that moment, before you get to that moment of what God is calling you to step out in faith? I don't know what it might be. I don't know. Could it be judgment? Could it be passiveness? Could it be anger? Could it be I don't know. You fill in the blank, but I want to ask you, what is it that you need to deal with before you get there? Number two, I want us to evaluate where we may have misplaced our faith. I use this staff as an example. Elijah has this and so great when people walk in his office, they're like, what's that? It's like sheep herding stuff. (laughs) But I wonder what we may have misplaced our, our faith into. You know, for Moses, it was a staff that had shown up time and time and time again. And so in this moment of stepping out, he chose to use his faith, not the voice that God had called him to use, but he chose to use his staff. And as I've been praying through this, God's been challenging me a lot lately. And I I shared a little bit of it in our team meeting this morning, but you see, It's very easy to have a faith gap when you're not sure what's on the other side. I remember when Elijah and I first started out to launch this church, we started our business and we had no other plans. Like it was easy to have a faith gap because if God didn't show up, it was just not going to happen. Like there was no alternative plan B. Maybe we can. There was nothing. And I remember having to step out and have that faith to step in. And then over the years, we've seen God show up so much in this church. We've seen God show up so much in each of your lives, situations that we've navigated. We've seen God show up in our business, ways that we couldn't have even imagined. And God has challenged me with this for years now. And again, in this fast, God began to challenge me and said, Ash, do you trust me alone? Like, 
Like, I don't have faith in Helm that Helm's going to grow and do things. I don't just have faith in this church because I believe it's an incredible culture. I believe the presence of God is here. But God began to challenge me, Ash, do you have faith in me? And I think sometimes that's what I want to challenge us with today. Sometimes it's easy for us to have misplaced faith, not in a staff. We don't walk around with those. But maybe it's misplaced faith in your relationship. And in your mind, your significant other is everything. And as much as I love Elijah and think he could very closely walk on water, he is not my everything. My faith has to be in God because he is the only one who will fulfill that. And I I challenge you, sometimes it's so easy for us as humans to get comfortable. Well, if I do well on this test, well, if I get this business up and going, well, if I can get that position at work, well, if I can just get that much money in savings, well, if I can just, can just, can just, then I can breathe. And it's those little conversations that we have to watch. And I'm not saying to don't be excellent because I totally believe in that. But what I'm asking is, is your faith in that? Or is your faith in what God called you to do? And we have to be cautious because oftentimes God's called you to do something that your faith can become in that thing. The third thing I want to challenge us with is to look ahead. What is he preparing you for? And what is he preparing for you? This is wild to me as I read through this, you know, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. If you read that portion of scripture, it's wild how God shows up. And at the same time, there's a lot of wandering. There's a lot of like, and they wandered for like a bajillion chapters and then, whoa, something happens. And then they wander and then something happens. But I sat down these past couple of weeks and I just read all the way through, just straight through. And you know what's wild to me is in this miracle where God told Moses, speak to the rock, take your staff, but speak to the rock. It was right before the Israelites were to enter the promised land. Now, the promised land, if you're not familiar, was a place that God had shown Israel and said, I'm going to give this to you. But the promised land was inhabited by like giants and all these cities. And it was like, aha, I don't know if we can do that. And put yourself in the Israelites shoes. Like you can't even wander the wilderness without water. And now you're going to go to battle. Like this must seem just so wild. And two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb went and said, yeah, it's huge, but look at what's there. We can take it. They had an outlook of faith. We can take it. And then we pick up in numbers right here where God says to Moses, speak to the rock. Don't strike it. Speak to the rock. And as I began to read, you know, a few chapters right after that, the Israelites prepare when God says, Moses, you can't lead them into the promised land. Joshua is going to lead them into the promised land. And Joshua leads them across the Jordan River and they go into the promised land. And do you know what their very first battle was? as they were taking possession of the promised land was Jericho. And if you know anything about Jericho, Jericho is where they marched the walls and with their voices, the walls came down. And I I had this epiphany of a moment and I thought, I just wonder if God was getting Moses ready for what was to come. Like 
You've used your staff all this time. God had shown up in all these miracles, and I'm not saying it's not right, but they were about to step into a place where they were going to use their voices to bring city walls down. Like, this is wild. And I wonder if there was a moment where God's like, can you trust me? When I tell you to speak to the rock, will you speak to it? Because just right on the other side of that river, I'm going to ask you to speak to the walls of Jericho for them to come down. And I want to challenge us in this room, if you're watching online, I want to challenge us what God might be preparing you for. There's been a lot of moments in my personal life where God has challenged and stretched my faith. And there's been times that we've had, we've shared with some of you in medical conditions that I have had to go through. And I remember being so scared. I remember the moments where we said, okay, I just feel like we need to fast. I don't know. I just feel like, I just, I don't know. I feel like I just need to get God's word in my heart. I had no idea I was about to spend months in the hospital. And after coming out of that and learning how to handle all of that, and then going to where Zion was in the hospital. And I remember just being like, what is this? I don't know what's happening, but you know what's wild to me is God had always prepared my faith for where I was going. And you know what? Sometimes it turned out better than I could have imagined. And sometimes we had to walk through some really hard times. But I stand here today saying God was faithful in the midst of it all. And so I want to challenge us. And Sean, if you'll come, I want to close out with worship today. I read this quote um, this week and I thought it was like so profound. I mean, my digital marketing algorithm is on point for all of the quotes it gives me, but I read this quote and it says, your excuses just gave someone else the opportunity. And I read that and I thought, wow, it was so in line with what I was praying through today. So in line with what God has been challenging me on because Friends, God's will will always prevail. God was going to lead the Israelites into the will, into the promised land, no matter what. And God has the same plans for you and I. God is planning for your family to grow and have faith and do things that other families have never done. God is planning for you and your business to go places and lead like others have never done. And God has these plans in motion. And I just challenge us. It is up to us to come into alignment with his will. Because what's happened before, and oh my goodness, God has just, you know, we've been navigating a lot, I think, in this church. And I've been in tears this last um, probably month or two. There's been a lot of big things that have happened, some really, really exciting things. We have new babies in the church, which is so fun, and new relationships. But there's also been some really hard things we've had to walk through. We've had to walk through loss of loved ones of some of our church family. We've had to walk through some really hard times in mental health, anxiety. We've had to walk through some, some big moments in marriages and families. And, and there's been so many things that we've walked through. And God has just been speaking so clearly. Ash, I am in control. Ash. 
put your faith in me. But at the same time, what we did there won't take us there. What got us here won't take us there. It's something that we say often in the church. We say often when we have this altar time, if you want to see something you've never seen, you have to do something you've never done. And, you know, I wrote this down and I want to share this with you because elevated faith is not doing more. It's trusting more. This doesn't mean that you have to take this and you take this message and you're like, that was good, Ash. All right, I have to go do that, to do, to do, to do. No, faith is not about you doing more. It's about you stepping into a new level of trust. When God says, take your staff, but speak to the rock. It's about you saying, this feels crazy, but I'm going to do it. It's when God puts something in your relationship or your marriage or with your significant other that you feel like, this is crazy. I don't want to do this because he said, she said, I can't last time. And there's all the judgments. And it's like, but God told me to do it. And I want my relationship solid and I want my relationship close. And so I'm going to do something different to get me there than what got me here.